Welcome to another episode of Operation Limitless. I'm Brett Lechtenberg here with Mark Peterson, Sal Rosano, Bill Schiffenauer, and our guest today, Mr. Ivan Ramirez. This is a show where you hear directly from people who have achieved the top level of success, being in the 1% in the world at what they do. We focus on the average people ended up achieving incredible human triumphs through confidence, grit, determination, and a quest for personal mastery. So the goal of our show is to uncover and share commonalities of incredible human beings and build a model which others can replicate. So today, Team Limitless here with Ivan Ramirez. And Ivan, I just want to say hello and thank you for being on the podcast today. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. This is, this is exciting. Thank you. I, I'm humbled. So uh, I'm going to let Sal take over a little bit because uh, I think you guys are friends and let him kind of lead the charge here a little bit. So. Sal, take her away, man. Right on. Hey, uh, before I even start this, I got to put this out there because everybody in Limitless Land, Ivan is the best smelling man I've ever met in my life. <laughs> and he knows what I'm talking about. Um, no, it's, uh, I've known Ivan for about four or five years now. Uh, it all started around our kids. You know, this has been a common theme. Um, Ivan was coaching one of my boys in football, and then I came on the year after, and Ivan and I coach together, and I just love this guy. And the more I get to know him, the more respect I have for this guy. Um, and I'm not going to take too much of his thunder, but, you know, recently I asked him about his story, and he shared it with me, and I was taken back. And I was I was really moved because I think, you know, a lot of, well, his family and mine had some uh, parallels with immigrating to the country. So, um his success is just really unparalleled and where he came to where he is now, I think is just a story that really needs to be shared with our listeners uh, and really anybody out there. Um, and again, I, I don't want to mention too much, but he basically grew up in LA and, and is now a business owner and has done everything from being ground level with, you know, companies like overstock.com to being, you know, an angel investor himself. So, Ivan, I can't thank you enough for being on here, man. You truly are, you know, a motivational guy for me and everything you've done um, or have done and continue to do. So if you can, for everybody, just kind of give us a, a little bit of a background about, you know, growing up and all, all the things you've done, a little bit of what you shared with me, if you don't mind. Yeah, sure, Sal. Well, thanks for having me on, guys. Um, yeah, so I'm originally from Colombia, from South America, from a small town called Buga outside of, of Cali, Colombia. And um, I, I, I immigrated to, to the U.S. with my father at age six. You know, my dad and I jumped on a plane back then. My parents went through, through a divorce. And, and my dad, you know, I, I, I always admire, Sal and I know a couple guys that are like single parents and, and like, you know, I've, I always admire that because that, typically you see the, the wife right, or the mom, the one that's kind of taking the kids, that's kind of the most common theme. And when I see the man, that's the one that's kind of like, you know, taking on his children and like, I mean, to me, that just, that just breaks me because my dad did that with me, right? My dad, like at age six, I mean, which, which guy at age six going to another country, sorry, which, which man at sort of, I think my dad was 30 or something like that, takes his, his six-year-old boy going to a new country as an immigrant and says, let's go. You know, you know, typically you go on your own, you do your thing first and then, you, you know, you kind of bring your child over. But he said, he's like, I want no risk of ever losing you. So you're coming with me. I don't care what it takes. You're coming with me. And literally we jumped on a plane, 
you know, we flew to, to we flew to Miami and um, back then it was really easy to get tourist visas. And so we, we flew to Miami with my uncle who was already living here. And we ended up in LA at uh, my uncle's family's house. <clears throat> and then, um, and my dad and I, we lived, we lived in a, um, in, in a room where there was about six or seven other folks that had immigrated from Colombia. And like, it was, it was probably about six, seven sleeping bags in this room. And we all just kind of, we all slept there. Um, and um, I remember one, one day, the um, another fella from Colombia had come. And so they're like, man, we need to fit him in here. Cause you know, you always want to help each other out. And there was this little closet in the corner and they're like, well, well, why don't we put Ivan in the closet? So <laughs> they cleared all the stuff from the closet and I ended up making the closet my room. So that's where I slept, you know? Um, but anyways, that's how we got our start, right? Like, and, and uh, it was awesome. Like, you know, on the weekends, like during the weeks I'd go to school and on the weekends, my dad would be, you know, my dad was out doing his work. And then during the weekends, we'd kind of walk up and down different parts of, of Laurel Canyon Boulevard and, and, in Southern California, just getting things to eat, going to the park. And it was just my dad and I just trying to, you know, so that I, I mean, I think for, for, for me, that was that, you know, when I look at where I came from and some of the things that I went through, like that, that really helped define who I am today. Um, and, and really helped me push myself to, to, uh, to, to do better. And, and so, so I did, so, so you know, grew up in California, went to school there, um, and then at around sort of age 19, 20, I started every kid in, 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 in at that point, every young kid was starting an internet company. And so I was like, man, like, why can't I do this? Right. So I started messing around in 99 with starting an e-commerce company and I, and I, a partner and I started a company called brandby.com, which was a, a website that sold, um, uh, off price products or, you know, products that branded products that were discontinued from stores. And so we, we threw them up on the website. So I would go around California visiting all these different uh, jobbers, what they call as guys that work in the closeout industry that may have like, you know, 200 pairs of Nike sunglasses or that were from last year and that kind of stuff. So I'd, I'd go and go to their offices, take photos of that. I'd come back to my office. We'd post them up on the website. We'd sell the products. And then I, I would, go in um, and uh, uh, visit the, the place where they had the product and I pay the guy in cash. I'm like, all right, hey, I sold these products, give them to me. I bring them, I package them up and send them off to our customers. And the business started to grow, like people started to buy stuff. And I was like, wow, we're, this is not gonna be scalable. I can't do this like this, right? So I need to go off and figure out how to build technology that will allow me to connect to all these different providers digitally. And so that's where my journey started, where I was like, I'm going to go and raise capital, right, to do this. And I mean, I had no mentor that telling me how to do this stuff. I just was reading Newsweek magazine about all the stories of other people. And I was getting inspired by that. So I was like, I'm just going to go ahead and do this. And I'd write, you know, and so so I, I took a flight to San Francisco at the time. They used to have um, uh, events where venture capitalists would literally be lined up in, in these big conference centers. And, and as an entrepreneur, you'd go through pitching your idea. Right. And so I did that. No, again, like no, nobody ever taught me anything. I, I probably, I probably walked up to venture capitalists and they, they heard the first word out of my mouth and they're like, this kid's clueless, <laughs> you know, but I was like, I'm just going to do it. Right. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and do it. So I, I did that round of things. I couldn't the, at, this was 2000. 
And at the time, the bubble was about the internet bubble was about to bust, right? No, it, and um, so I was on a plane back from San Francisco to LA, and I picked up this Forbes magazine. And in this Forbes magazine, there was an article from this guy called the Renaissance. It was the Renaissance Man of e-commerce, and it's talking about this guy Patrick Byrne who had just invested in a, started a company in Utah called Overstock.com. He had, and so then I was like, oh, wow, it's like we're kind of doing the same thing. So I'm like, I'm going to write a letter to this guy. So I wrote this long letter to this guy, um, sent it to him via email. I found his email address and all that stuff. And we ended up connecting. And uh, and long story short, like he's like, look, kid, I'm not going to invest in your business because I'm doing the same thing. He's like, but you can you know, you can um, you can probably learn a thing or two by working with me and a few other people on building this company. And so I was like, you know, in the beginning, I was like, well, wait a minute, but I'm an entrepreneur just like you. Like, you know, what, what do you mean? Like, I got to, you know, I and so thank goodness I made the decision to I, I broke off the partnership with my with my partner. And I said, look, I'm going to close down the site. This is not going to work for me. I'm going to go off and learn more about e-commerce. And so I moved my family. I had been married for eight months um, and uh, I moved my family to my wife and I moved to moved to Utah. And uh, I started working at Overstock and I worked at Overstock for seven and a half years. Right. Um, but but the interesting story about this is when I got there, you know, I thought I was this big shot executive guy. Right. I was 20, 20, 20, 21 at the time. And so I, I show up for work the first day. There's probably about 13, 14 employees at the time. So I was very early, early stages of Overstock. And I, I show up to work and Patrick was like, look, here's this address. Go to this address and talk to this person. So I go out and I'm driving out like towards the warehouse in the airport of Salt Lake City. I'm like, man, where the hell is this guy sending me? Like I'm in this fancy, you know, uh, office building in Cottonwood Heights. And then all of a sudden I'm going out by the airport. I'm like, well, what's going on here? So I'm heading out to the airport and I like, I go and I knock on this warehouse door and this, this, somebody opens the door and it's like this big call center in there. And so I'm like, hey, I'm Ivan. I was told to come see you. It's like the lady hands me a, a headset. She hands me a paper pad and she's like, here you go. Let me sit you here. You're going to do some customer service. And I was like, what? I was like, customer service? I was like, I'm not a customer service agent. I am a damn entrepreneur. <laughs> I said, I've just started a company. I came here to be an executive of this company. What are we talking about? So anyway, so I spent two, three months doing customer service, right? In the early days of Overstock, dealing with customer complaints, all this stuff. I go back up to corporate. Patrick's like, okay, go to the opposite side of that building and talk to this guy. So I go to the opposite side. It's now the warehouse. So the guy's like, great. And I'm like, you're going to do warehouse work. I'm like, what? I was like, inside of me, I was really upset. I came back to my wife. I said, I think I made a mistake here. Like, what in the hell am I doing? Like, I came here to, to be a business guy, not to like answer customer service calls and to like pick and pack stuff at warehouses and stuff, right? That's just not my thing. So I spent three, four months at the warehouse learning all this stuff. Long story short, right? Like that was the best thing that I could have done, right? It taught me the foundations of an e-commerce business, right? Like I knew customer service. I knew, I knew warehousing. I knew the supply chain, which by the way, if we look at today, companies like Amazon, like they're so successful because they have an amazing supply chain operation. Right. That's the only reason those companies. Are successful. So anyway, so I learned that whole stuff early on. Then finally, I made my way up like maybe a year later. And Patrick was like, all right, kid, now you're ready to 
to, to kind of to, to kind of join you know the ranks and do some in, in interesting projects on the business side of things. So um, so yeah, I spent seven and a half years there at Overstock uh, as a VP of Business Development, and then I ran their Skunk Works division, which was basically all the new business ideas that Patrick and people had. And and so um, and and then after that, I went off and started my own company, Commerce Interface, which I I, I ran for about five years, and then. Um, was blessed enough to sell that company to Groupon in 2012. And then I joined Groupon, which was an amazing experience because at the time Groupon was growing uh, at, uh, at at some amazing, amazing uh, uh, pace. They, you know, they, I think even until today, they're still considered the fastest growing company in history. I mean, they went from zero to a billion in, in, in some ridiculous amount of time. And so I, I joined Groupon, Groupon bought my company and then I helped implement the technology that they bought for me uh globally so i i got the opportunity to travel to all these different parts of the world you know meet business people do business people friend and people from different parts of the world so that that was really impressive and then um and and then after that i i um i left groupon i started doing some angel investing i took some of the money that i made from the transaction there and and i said i'm going to invest i'm not sure i want to do another startup just yet so i'm going to invest in 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 other people that've got some great ideas and kind of help them grow their businesses. So I did that for about a year and then ended up doing another startup in London, I moved to London for, for a couple of years with my family and did a, a real estate startup very much like Homie. So Homie is, you know, um, is the, the real estate, digital real estate company we have here in Utah. Well, I started a company like that called eMove in the UK with a co-founder called Russell Pork. And uh, it was uh, it became the like one of the top three digital real estate companies in the U in the UK, and so I, I I left that company in 2018, and I moved back to um, to the US and then helped start another company out of Austin, Texas called Homeward. Um, spent about a year there, and then I um, I I I, I, um, I I decided I wanted to to just go off and and do other things and. And then uh, right now I've just been uh, doing a lot of, right now I dedicate myself to, to doing a little bit of investing still in startup companies, but also helping startup uh, uh, entrepreneurs that have either built great companies that, are, that have already proven the concept and they're doing great and they're generating revenue, they're, they're, they're profitable, close to profitable, but they now want to sort of take that business that they've built and make it into a tech enabled business or a tech business um, so that you know the value of their company is much greater so that's what i dedicate myself to um now and i think during that journey i'll probably figure out you know another um idea to to, to go off and do another startup right um i so yeah so that's a bit about my my uh my background and um yeah well, that's a that's a great start. There's a lot there to unpack. So, um, what when you came to America, did you speak the language? No, zero, New, zero English. How long did it take you to? Did your father speak the language? No, no, so no not at all. Just came not at all. Um, yeah. How long did it take you to to learn English? Probably about a year. I started, you know, learning little words here and there. But um, but uh, yeah, probably about a year. It was it was rough. It was rough in school. You know, kids made fun of me. You know, they made fun of the clothes I wore, the shoes I wore. You know, it's it's uh, it, it was it was rough, man. It was rough. 
<laughs> no doubt. Um, you know, the Colombian uh, number of Colombian people in Utah is not a huge base. We may have a mutual friend. Do you know Gloria Salazar? I don't know. I don't. She's my banker. I thought maybe you. She she moved from okay. Colombia a long time, quite a few years ago, and she's living here. We also may have another mutual friend from Groupon. Uh, do you know Jason Keys? Yeah, yeah, Jason Keys. I know. Yeah, he, I think he ran security for Groupon. Like, uh, uh, it, it, yeah, uh, internet. Yeah, I, I interacted with him a few times. He ran global security for Groupon. Yeah. Yeah, he still is. Yeah, he he and his whole family are my black belts. Oh, okay, awesome. They, they trained with me for years till they moved back up to Washington. <laughs> okay, okay, so, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's a good guy. Nice people. Anyway, um, so. I don't know if anybody else has a question they want to jump in with because I've got I've got quite a few, but I don't want to hog the show here. Mark, Sal, Bill, I, I definitely got some. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hey, could I could I try to could I an aspect of what I've said here is Ivan, I'm intrigued first off by the story. It's it's amazing. I love to hear successes like this, especially completely homegrown. I mean, you did not get mentored. You did. You just did this on your own. But I'm really intrigued by the humility that it would have taken to take the job while you already had an operating business and you were doing well in LA. And when the connection was made to uh, to or to um, Overstock, and you moved to Utah, first off, already in Utah. There's a transition for you right there. And then your first day uh, on the job where you had the expectations of, I've, I'm, a, I'm a business owner. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a shaker. I'm a mover. And I, now I'm, I'm sitting in a room with a bunch of hourly people talking to people on the phone about what they like and what they don't like about the company and handling customer service and the complaints and the phone calls. At some point in time, there was a humility factor there. Can you talk about that? Yeah, absolutely. And and, and I think, and, 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 and it's one of those things that Patrick was, the one thing that I learned, uh, I think, you know, I've learned a lot of great things from different business people that I've interacted with. And I think from Patrick Byrne, the, the, the biggest thing that he taught me was humility. And 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 this this example that I gave was the way that he kind of put the stamp on that, or, 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 or you, you know, and so, so absolutely, it gave me a lot, a lot of humility, right? Uh, and and I had to swallow my pride, and I had to just and 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 it's taught me a lot, even today, right? With with the amount of experience that I have in in in, in all these different things that I've done, when I come into any into any business, the first thing I do is I just I bring myself down to talking to people that are on the front lines. Like those are the people that I'm going to learn the most from. Right. In many cases, even the executives don't know everything that's going on in their business. So that taught me a lot about that. And I think as a result of that, I'm able to attack the problems from an angle that um, that really go to the root of the problem. Right. I mean, my job is to basically build technology products, you know, that will make companies successful. And that's and, and so so I think absolutely like it's really that that experience right there, along with the constant teachings of Patrick Byrne throughout the years of Overstock about being humble, right, um, is 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 probably the the um, it was a great lesson. I live my life based on that. I mean, humility is at the core of who I am and what I teach my kids. 
right? Um, and it, it's very easy for us to lose sight, especially as we have a little bit of success. It's very easy for us to lose sight and, and to lose some of that, right? <clears throat> so let, let me let me let me continue with that that theme before I uh, before the string goes to a different direction. But you came home after you got the warehouse um, assignment, and you you mentioned in your story that you asked a question of your wife. But you didn't say what her answer was. I'd love to hear that. You said, "I think I made a mistake here." <laughs> yeah. What did she say? She, you know, my my wife, my wife, you know, she's four years younger than me, but man, she is such a mature lady, right? And she's she's uh, she's always been. I mean, we at the time she was uh, I was twenty one, she was eighteen. <laughs> she was a young young girl, right? And she, um, well, first of all, she was the one that pushed me to send the letter in the first place to overstock because I had written this long letter and I said, nobody's nobody's gonna pay attention to this. Look at this thing. It's probably got a ton of grammar errors in it, listen that. And she's like, send it, send it, send it. So that was the first part. She like pushed me to send it. And that's why we ended up in Utah. But when I went back is she she basically she's like, look, you you need to stop it. Like you, you know, you you know, you got you got to realize that you're working with with folks that have a lot of experience here with businessmen that have a lot of experience, you know, um, put your pride aside. Right. You and she told me the truth. She's like, you think you had a successful business? You really did it. You were maybe generating a few orders a day and this and that. I mean, so just buckle up and go back in there tomorrow and learn. And that's exactly how she talked to me. And I was like, wow. OK, so. <laughs> so yeah, so she 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 um she definitely gave it to me for sure. It's nice when the women good, in our life good. Uh, right. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, Mark. they're the strong ones. They're the strong ones. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Mark. I didn't mean to cut you off there. No, I, that, that's exactly where I was headed. I I, I wanted. So obviously, I mean, you know that the whole point of of what. Bill and Sal and Brad and I are trying to do here is we're trying to build a community of people who are, when faced with insurmountable uh, obstacles, that they create their own limitless solutions. And so to hear how you solved the problems that you were dealt with is going to be key for anyone listening uh, in our audience to how they're going to deal with problems in their life. Yeah, and, and and you know it's it's um it's interesting because you know coming from LA, you're I'm a Latino, coming from LA, coming to Utah, predominantly white community, right? And then I even at Overstock in the early days, it was like predominantly white, right? And I was like, man, I felt that I gotta tell you, there was times where I was like, man, I felt out of place. And but but then inside of me, I was just like, but wait a minute, no, like I've got this, right? I can do this, right? I'm gonna be because there's two choices, right? You like, you just completely like, you, you go off in a corner and you just kind of poor, poor me type of thing. Mm -hmm. Or the, the other choice where you just like, you know, you, you, you wake up, you, you know, you go in there with, with your head up and your chest out and you say, okay, let's go, let's go. Right. And, and like, and, and, and it's like, look, this is the way I want to be treated. I don't want to be seen as a Latino or, or, and, and I had some experiences in the early days of Overstock with some executives that, you know, would make some comments about, you know, my ethnicity. Right. And, 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 and so, and Patrick really liked me. So that didn't help because it was like, you know, the CEO founder of the company really likes this kid. 
He's taking him under his wing and really trying to do great things for him. And you've got these executives that have been working at McKinsey and all of these bigger, these big organizations and looking at me as like, really this, this Latino kid, like from, from LA, like, you know, um, you know, and so, and Patrick loved to exaggerate things. He's like, yeah, Ivan's from East LA. Like, you know, he grew up in the ghetto. Like he just loved to exaggerate things. So to make kind of the, the story better. So, <laughs> so storytelling yeah. never hurts. Ivan. You know he, yeah. He was a great story. He is a great storyteller, but, um, but yeah, so I think, um, I did go through a lot of those difficult times and there's times where I cried. I came home and I was like, man, I don't know if I can do this, man. Like, it's just so tough. I feel like, well, first of all, I didn't have a college education because I dropped out of college. So that didn't help with my confidence level. That completely didn't help with my confidence level, right? You got guys that have been working at McKinsey and all these major corporations and they've got college degrees, you know, bachelors, MBAs, in some cases, PhDs. Um, and here I am without a college education, you know, and um, that didn't help with my confidence at all. So I really struggled with that in the early days. Ivan, yeah. can you pinpoint what gave you your confidence to keep moving forward? Was there uh, something that was said to you, something that you picked up on, some spark that made you go, I really can do this besides your wife? Or was your wife the thing? Or, or No, it was it, <laughs> my wife obviously was constantly, you know, she was very supportive, very motivating. But I think throughout my career at Overstock, I got to tell you that I, I – I learned a lot at Overstock seven and a half years there, but I, I, I feel like, I feel like that I could have done a lot more if I would have had a higher level of confidence. Right. Mm -hmm. um, I always felt always for the full seven, seven and a half years there. I always felt that even at the role that I had that um, one people, people thought I, I always sort of felt that people thought that I had that role because of my friendship with Patrick Byrne or because of him liking me. Right. But, you know, he liked me cause I was a hustler. Right. I, I, I didn't, you know, when it was something, when something needed to get done, I went in and I just executed and I took care of it. Right. And I didn't sort of take a step back and say, all right, I'm going to analyze this. I'm going to do all this. I just got to it and executed. So <laughs> I think that, that in, in the seven and a half years there, I, f I feel like I could have, I don't feel that I was very confident in myself and what I do, even though I, even though I did some really great things for that company. Um, so, and, 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 but when I left there and when I started my own company and that helped improve my confidence. And then when I sold my company, now that, was that was the turning point in my life. So really, I, it wasn't even at Overstock. The turning point in my life was when I sold my company, right? Because even I even had a conversation with one of the executives at, at, at Overstock one day that said, look, you're never going to sell this company because um, you're never going to sell this company because this company is just you. And I said, well, well, yeah. And, and this was in the early days of my company. And, 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 but I realized that I needed to pivot my company and create technology that would take all this stuff that I that I was doing and productize it, right? And so that's what I did. That's what I spent five and a half years doing and building my company to get to that point. Obviously, this person didn't know my entire road roadmap and plan for my for the future of my company. But they did tell me, "You'll never sell this company. It's not a valuable company. You'll never sell it." 
because this is just you. They're just going to buy you. And so um, I clearly proved them wrong because, you know, four, four, three, three and a half years later after that conversation, I sold my company to Groupon for a respectable amount of money. Um, and so, but, but that was the point that like really gave me a lot of confidence in my life. So you stacked a lot of small wins to get to this big win of selling the company. That, that, and there's, the reason I'm asking this because there's a lot of commonalities. We just had a Army Ranger actor now on the last podcast. Everybody we've interviewed from astronauts to the guys that are on the screen. There's so many commonalities between successful people, and it boils down to how did we build our confidence? What did we do? And the and the you know moments of determination are what we call a defining moment, and then stacking of wins and and a series of other things that really. Um, all successful people seem to have in common and there's about five or six traits. And so I, I, I might ask you the same question from a few different points of view, because I'm looking for those points to prove this model. Right. And so you're, by what you're saying, um, I hear all those things in there. So thank you for sharing. I mean, it's, I know it's not easy all the time. So. And let me tell you, let, let me tell you, I gained it then, but I've also lost it since and I've gained it again. <laughs> sure. It, it, it's, you know what I mean? It's, 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 I've lost it since, even as a successful person, there's been times in my life where I've just like, you know, um, maybe a couple of years ago where, cause I, I, you know, I, um, the, uh, um, the business in London, this other startup that I did in London, you know, it was very, we, 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 we were running high for about five years. We raised about $60 million of you of, uh, of capital for that business. And unfortunately we couldn't pull it off, right? We couldn't pull it off. We, the, the company went under, we lost sixty million dollars of investor money, which was 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 painful. Um, I lost a great deal of money in that deal as well. Uh, my co-founder did as well, and 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 years of his life and years of my life. And after that, I got to tell you, man, I was pretty beat. I was pretty beat, and 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 I'd lost my confidence all the way. I was like, because I was like, man, I had a great career at Overstock. I left Overstock, started my company, sold it to Groupon, did great, left that, did a bunch of investing. Now. I did this, we raised a bunch of money. It was a big high going through that whole journey. And then all of a sudden you lose it all. And there was times where we were at the negotiating table ready to sell this company. I mean, six months before the, six, eight months before the company failed, I was at a negotiating table, one of the largest real estate groups in, in the UK uh, with my co-founder and, 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 and everyone uh, uh, trying to sign a deal to sell this company. And little did we know that they were looking at two of us. They were looking at two competitors. We thought we were, you know, we didn't know who the other one was. We thought we were going to sign the deal. They ended up going with the other one, which means that we didn't get bought. We ran out of cash. We couldn't raise the next round of capital. And we had to, we had to fold the company. <clears throat> and so I was, I, I mean, I was depressed. I lost all my confidence. Uh, I mean, I felt really bad for friends and family that invested in me and invested in the company. Right. I mean, it and, and for, and for many other people, I mean, it's 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 tough, man. When you when you when you have to take other people's money and other people trust you with their money, right? And and sixty million dollars is not a small amount of money. <laughs> no, not at all. Wow, amazing, amazing. So I think I think I kind of butted in on you there. Sorry, that's right. That's right, um, Ivan. It, you know, you. I think you've seen a little bit of me lately, and and. You know, as, as long as we've known each other, I think we're learning more and more about each other, which I, I absolutely love. But the one thing I want to ask you, and this is, you might have already answered it, I don't know, but 
you said by the time you sold your company and by the time you started at Overstock, you didn't have the confidence. But what physically and mentally was different about you from that time to the time you sold the company? You know, um, I got to tell you that it's if it's, there uh, was sorry to interrupt you, but if there no, was there, there there is there is something, and that is it's 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 one thing, and it's like my dad has always believed in me. My dad has always, always believed in me. My dad from day one, and 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 there's a part of the story that I kind of left out that I, I mean, maybe we'll cover it another day, but I, I had a difficult time in, in, in when I was sort of 17, 18, where I, I had a rough patch in my life, you know, and and I was down, down on my luck. My dad had moved to South America, came back to, to kind of help me get out of this difficult stage. And he would always tell me when I was in that difficult stage, he said, you're made for great things. What are you doing? This is not you. You are made for great things. He believed in me. And and literally, um, you know, he's he's been the biggest fan of me, even when I did wrong, even when I did wrong and he saw that I did wrong and he knew that I did wrong. He would say, son, that's not right. But guess what? You're made for big things. Right. So my dad always, always believed in me, always believed in me. Right. I used to call him when I couldn't make payroll and I was starting my company and I'd like, man, dad, I don't know if I made. It's like, son, you're going to do it. You're going to pull it off. And my dad's not a businessman. He was a machinist, worked with his hands, right? Always had oil in his hands because he had cuts from the metal on the, on the lathes and the mill machines. And that's, that's my dad. He's blue collar worker. Right. But he'd always tell me and inside of me, I'm like, man, what does this guy know? Like he's not a business guy. Like what does this guy know? But he would, but so Sal, I think to answer your question is, I always had that 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 little angel and and that that person which was my dad um always telling me that I was made for great things and I think there was part of my 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 mind that remembered that but the rest of it was like you know how like when you have a big problem and somebody tells you something really positive and you're like okay great but then you you go back to like dealing with your big problem you're like okay I appreciate all that stuff but I'm dealing with this big freaking problem of course, right? they don't they don't know what they're talking about. They right? don't know what they're talking. Yeah, exactly. That's what you think. And so like, but it was that it was my dad. It was my dad constantly telling me you're made for great things. You're made for great things. Right. Well, and, and the reason I asked that is because if, if I had to guess and go out on a limb, I, your dad was probably in your ear. But I don't think there's probably much changed with Ivan Ramirez, except the confidence. And that's something we try to push out to all our listeners is that, and you saw it in football when we coached those boys, it was like, mm -hmm. you got to believe in yourself. There's somebody inside of you that wants to come out and work harder and do the things you want to do, but you got to let them. And I think the biggest thing for us is if I had to guess, maybe you got a little more education working with Patrick, maybe you got a little bit more confidence doing that. But if I had to guess Ivan Ramirez prior to selling a business and Ivan Ramirez, when he sold the business, wasn't much change, but you started believing in yourself after you sold the business. And Good point. Me, I think that's what we try to, we really try to push that on our listeners. Like Bill, when Bill talks about his story, like I'm still in awe and I've heard it a thousand times. Um, you know, his coach did what your dad did and changed it. And I won't steal his thunder, but I guess my point I'm getting at is it goes back to where I say people lose so much time because they don't believe in themselves. For me, it was 16 years. Um, but that to me is impressive. And, and that's something we all have to remind ourselves with is, yeah, be humble, 
but believe in yourself and great things will come. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point, Sal. And I think there's been times where I like really, really believed in myself and then I stopped believing in myself. And, and, and it's like, I feel like sometimes like it's not, it's not, I'm not being humble if I'm like overly confident in myself. You know what I mean? Like I've, I've really have had those, those times and my wife's like, come on, you've done great things in your life. Like stop being so hard on yourself. Right. Well, um, and, and I think that's powerful because you recognize the the ability to grow still, right? No, I, I, I've done great things, but I still have more to do. I still have more to learn. And I think that's extremely powerful um, for our listeners to hear is, yeah, you can be extremely successful, but humility is what leaves you vulnerable and open to learning more things to be successful again. So, yeah. No, thanks for sharing that. I got, I got one other question, then I'm going to pass the mic to Bill. Um, so, you know, that a lot of my uh unofficial <laughs> research has shown like a lot of children of immigrant families or a lot of immigrant families really have this drive that's unparalleled and and some in business some in achieving things some going on to get you know college degrees that parents never had whatever the case may be like what was it for you that started that drive was it you know seeing your dad work hard was it the lack of things i mean what was it that said that made ivan ramirez said i'm i want to change i want something different yeah it was um it was that it was it was it was you know my dad you know he 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 worked the bit the, the night shift you know and he um you know he didn't get to spend a lot of time with 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 us because he, he was constantly working um Constantly, I remember the picture of my dad in the in in the in, in the dining room table paying bills every time. That was like the picture of my dad: work, 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 pile of bills, paying bills, and at the end grabbing his head and saying, "Like, you know, I didn't know, but he probably looked at his checkbook and there was fifty, hundred dollars left until he got his next checkbook. Not got his next check. And so, and I wanted things as a kid. You know, I went to school and. You know, I mean, the school I went to, I, I, I mean, I went to a public school. It's not like we saw uh, it was a lot of wealthy kids or anything. But still, you saw kids at different social economical statuses and and they had things and shoes, nice shoes, nice bikes, nice skateboards. I wanted those things. I'd come home. I'd ask. My parents were like, we don't have like this, we just don't have for that. And I was like, well, I'll, fine, I'll go work. And that's how I kind of did my you know, I started my first little business at, at, at age 10, 11. I used to cut grass around the neighborhood and I'd make my own money. I'd hustle and make my own money, right? And so, and and so, I think it was um, it, it was that Sal. It was it was it was not being able to have what I wanted, and I had to go out and get it for myself, right? And then as 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 life went on, um, it was it was the naysayers really powered me. It was a lot of naysayers. I've had a lot of naysayers, a lot of negative people that have said, "Oh, you're not going to do that. You're not going to succeed. You're not going to do that." And so. You know, I um, being the competitive per human that I am, I was like, OK, fine, I'll show you. Right. And so that th those uh, yeah, those are the things that really drove me. And it was always that desire to have it, it was <clears throat> I, I don't know if it's a sad thing to say, but but I think in the beginning of my life, it was a materialistic thing that drove me. I wanted to have you wanted to have the house, the car, the nice things that it, it was that desire that drove me to work hard. Right. And to not give up. Um, but I, I don't know when I say that it kind of sounds like, again, it, it doesn't sound right. Right. It sounds like, man, that's the wrong reason to, 
to, to, to be motivated. It, it's not now. It, I'll tell you, it's not now. Now it's different. It's to leave a legacy for my children, you know, to educate other kids and to help and to give opportunities to others because I'm one that I, I, I feel that everything is the core of everything in life is opportunity, right? I think there's a ton of bright people out there. Everyone is bright. Everyone has the potential to do anything in life, but it's giving them that opportunity. So, so yeah, so I don't know guys, if that's like a, if, I mean, I really think that's what drove me, but I mean, it just seems so, it seems so empty. It seems like such an empty motivator. Yeah. And I understand that. I would disagree though. I think that's, you know, you came from a, a background and a history of coming to the U.S. for for more opportunities, and in doing so, you know it's the reward for your hard work. So I, I don't I wouldn't say it's an empty motivator. I think it you have a drive. You had a drive. That's what drove you, and you kept on going, and it, it changed. So, but no, thanks for sharing that. I, I yeah. it's a process of evolution. I think you know. Yeah. When you grow yeah. up with nothing, like I think everybody here on the I, I know I didn't grow up with lots of advantages. My dad was a big inspiration, still is a big inspiration for me, but I didn't have a lot. But there's a, then there's a point where, you know, the, that my dad still lives in the trailer that we grew up in, and it would probably fit in my basement, the number of square feet compared to what, what I live in now, right? And and um, there's just that drive. But same thing, I, all of us here on this podcast, I think, I, I'm not speaking out of turn for anybody, dream big, live bigger, and leave a positive legacy. If you had to boil it down to three little pieces, that's it. That's so, it. Sorry, Bill, I might have cut you off there. Uh, just again, it's okay. It's cool. It's cool. <laughs> no, hey, Ivan, thanks for joining. And I, I, I want to agree with what Sal says. Like, I, I don't see that as, as an empty motivator for you because – the, the reality is, you know, especially for someone like us that grew up with nothing, we have to find and seek something that's going to motivate us, whether it's a big house, the nice wife, the nice car, whatever it is, right? And, and those things, I think, are okay to have motivators in our life as long as the foundation of our integrity stays in place throughout that whole process. So when we do make the money, we do have the nice house, the nice wife, or whatever it is you know, who we are as a human being, like Sal is saying about you, you're still that good person deep down inside, right? So, so yeah, I want to, I want to agree with, with Sal on that and, and yeah, just own that. And it's awesome. But one of the things I wanted to, to bring up too, is, you know, a few times you've mentioned hustling, right? And the hustle, the hustle, the hustle. And, you know, when, when I've had an opportunity, you know, same thing with me making it to the Olympics and bobsled, even though I was supposed to make it in track and field, I, I still had to hustle and do things that people on the outside looking in never saw that I had to, you know, work on the bobsled. I had to learn how to take it apart, put it back together. I had to learn how to work on the runners. I had to learn all the ins and outs of this, you know, doing the phone calls and doing the warehouse work and doing all that stuff before I actually created the opportunity to go to the Olympics and win an Olympic medal, right? And, and it's interesting because, you know, I've worked with, you know, individuals and groups that always, that would look at any five of us and be like, wow, you guys are so lucky that you've made it in whatever it is that you do. And, or you have those people like, oh, I could do what you do, right? And, um, you know, what, what people don't understand is 
that there is a hustle and that's part of the learning curve for you to actually achieve that. And so, you know, when you have somebody who's like, oh, I want to be an entrepreneur, own my own business, yet, you know, inside their business, you ask them like, hey, can you go do that? Could you go answer the phone? Oh, well, that's not my job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, actually, it is your job. You know, yeah. if you want to learn the ins and outs and be successful at what you want to do, you need to learn everything 360 degrees you just can't be like like you said like when you came on board you're like hey i'm the executive man what are you doing sending me over to make a phone call right but for us to be successful for people that are on listening to this video cast for you to be successful you have to know the ins and outs you've got to be willing to get in the trenches you've got to be willing to hustle like no one else is willing to hustle to actually accomplish whatever they want to do so I know you talked about it, but talk a little bit more again on the importance of hustling and, and not just talking the talk, you're walking the walk and, and creating your own opportunity. Yeah, man, I, I got to tell you, like the hustle is, I mean, ever since I was a little kid, I was just like, I, I again, because because I, 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 I wanted those materialistic things, right? So I was just, I mean, I hustled, man. I mean, I saw, I, it, it was, you know, it, it was cutting grass early on and then, you know, later on in, in, um, but you know, I, you know, selling candy and things at schools and I mean, things like that. And, and, and in some cases, I'm not proud of these things, you know, did, you know, some things that were probably borderline illegal, you know, and then at some point you're like, okay, this is the wrong hustle. Right. But it's like, it's, but you got to go through those things again. Cause I didn't, I really didn't have anyone. My dad was always working. Not that he was a bad parent, I mean, my stepmother was always there, you know, sort of making sure that I was, I think, you know, she is obviously to um, uh, one that, that really kept me in line. But, but I think um, w- what I tell everyone is, and, and, and I had a friend that I talked to recently that had lost his job and he said he was really devastated. And I said, look, man, I said, here's what you got to do. You just got to keep moving. You know, you got to keep moving. You got to keep moving because it's like riding a bike, right? If you if you're riding a bike, you're pedaling, you're moving, you're going forward, you're 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 maintaining your balance. But the moment you stop pedaling and that bike comes to a stop, you're gonna fall. Right. And so I would just say, like, dude, just keep moving. Please keep moving. Right. And so and and that's and for me, that's what what it's been. Even those times where where I've been down on myself, I've lost my confidence, I've gotten up and I've continued to to hustle, right? Even if the 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 end game um, in, in many cases, I was just just doing things that wouldn't get me closer to what I wanted to do. But it was I was just doing something right, uh, even if it wasn't like for money or anything, but I was doing something right. So I think I think the hustle is very I mean, it's 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 super important, man, to have that. that and, and not everyone has it in them. Not everyone has it in them. Right. Not everyone has. And, and listen, and, and sometimes I even ask myself, like, is that a bad thing? Because I see I've seen people that that don't have this kind of hustle mentality. They're just like very structured. They're educated or kind of call it, you know, sort of went through the traditional thing. Great, great grades in high school, great grades in college, went off and got a master's degree. They went out, had a great career, became CEOs of companies, you know, did some great things, have millions of dollars in their bank accounts. Right. It's like you've got that. And then you got like the other side over here where it's like college dropouts, you know, hustle here, hustle there, made a little bit of money, maybe can't, maybe made a bit, you know, of, 
of, uh, of, 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 of more money and all of that. And then, but, but you're doing maybe three, four, five different things at the time. Cause you're, you're, you're trying to like, you're trying to grab every single opportunity that's out there. Right. That's part of us, the people that love to hustle. Right. And sometimes I feel like, I don't know if that's the right thing. Cause it's like, you're not focusing on one thing. Right. And so, but, but, but again, I don't, there is no right or wrong answer. Cause you see people that have three or four or five businesses that are, that are like, you know, hardcore hustlers, right. That, that have, and, and, and now even in business, it's become very common to have a side hustle. It's very common. Like you have corporate America people that have these great corporate America jobs, but they have a side hustle and it's very common. In some cases, some, some companies actually encourage that. Some companies encourage people to have side hustles, right? Because they feel that's a way for, for these folks to get a per, uh, other perspectives outside of the company they're working for and bring ideas and bring new things into the organization that they're working with. So, so I think it's, um, I think it's super important. I don't know if uh, I haven't gotten signed to, to the point where I've analyzed it close enough and, and, and like, and, and, and seen if, if, the, if there is a negative part of, 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 of that, right. Of having too many things that you're hustling on at the same time. But, um, but I think it's important, man. I mean, you're not, you're not going to do anything in life by just sitting on your tail. Right. Yeah, no, I agree. And I, and I think, you know, as long as your side hustles or your multiple hustles you have, as long as you can see some forward progression on them on a you know, consistent basis. Yeah, of course, every now and then you might have a fallback, but as long as you can continue to get up and those hustles are, are moving forward, you know, then you're, you're, you're progressing and you're moving in the right direction. Yeah, agreed. Um, Ivan, can um, <clears throat> I got a few kind of standard questions as we, as, like I told you, we're working on a, a model and we, whether we're teaching in our immersion events or whether we're talking in the podcast, um, looking for some commonalities, you know, kind of organically. But can you share a time in your life when uh, things maybe weren't going so well, whether it's overstock or whether, whether you know, other companies that you were involved in that was negative, negative. Uh, there was a lack of focus, a lack of belief in the vision, anything like that, where you're, where you were the one that stepped up and said, look, this is what we can make happen. You pulled everybody together, rallied as, as a team, or even maybe in an individual level, that your confidence just kind of infused somebody else, motivated another person or a team. Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I think probably the one that stands out the most is um, – about a year before I sold my company, um, I, I my company almost went under, right? And um, I had to lay off a lot of people. Um, I lost a contract that represented about 70% of the revenue that was coming into the company. And so, um, and what was supposed to happen in a 90-day period according to the contract, I happened in a 30-day period because you know, um, big corporations can bully little, little guys. And so I, I literally overnight lost my business and I, I, um, I came home and I, to my wife and I mean, I mean, when I got the news, when I got off this call that they were ending the contract, my body just went numb and, uh, and outside of the, of my, of my, uh, of this conference room that I was in, in our office, there was 14 people sitting there that worked for me. And, and, the first thing that I thought about is like, shit, man, like, I mean, excuse my language, but I was like, man, like what's I'm 14 people that I'm responsible for. 
and I'm going to have to lay them off. I mean, immediately I thought 70, 80%. I didn't even have to go to, to, to do the math. It's like, it, it's going to hurt. It's going to be a big impact. And so um, I went home that, that afternoon and, uh, and I cried to my wife and I said, we're done. Like, we're done. We're dead. And like, we're, we're, I'm not going to be able to come out of this. How do I come out of this? And so, and, and, and you know, the, the, my team knew that there was something wrong because they sensed it as when I got out of that room, they sensed that I wasn't the same for the rest of the day. Um, but, you know, I had, I, I had, I had sort of two, two, uh, uh, two routes to take, right? I would just give up, throw my hands up and say, okay, we're done. I'll go off and get another job. And believe it, I thought about it on my ride home that day. I'm like, okay, fine. If everything ends, I'll just wrap everything up and I'll get, get off, go and get another job so I can support my family. And I came home and I told my wife those things. And my wife's like, no, we're not giving up. Like you can, you can make this happen. You're going to have to make some hard decisions. You're going to have to let some people go, but you're not going to give up. And so I went back to, <clears throat> went to the office the next day and I got the whole troops together and, and, and I basically, you know, gave it to them. I said, look, here's what's happening. You know, we're, we've lost 70% of our revenue and in 30, in 30 days, we're going to have to start winding this thing down to like a bare bones team. And, um, and, and that was really, really demotivating. Right. Um, and so we let about 10 people go. We kept four people, but the four people that were left were a hundred percent demotivated. They're like, well, what am I doing here? Like, this is like, I've been trying to save this company, trying to do this. So I'd come, I'd come in every day. And I was like, you know, like, like, like I did with the kids on the football field. I'm like, guys, come on, we're going to pull through this. And, 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 you know, and so I, 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 um, I would come in every day with a really positive attitude, pumped up, right? Um, because I, I, I realized that if I wasn't doing that, they weren't going to do it. It's, it's not their business. It's not their thing. You know, they're, they're in, in, I know exactly what they were doing. They were just like going through it and saying, okay, uh, I got to find another job and I'm going to bail because, and I'm going to leave this guy because, you know, he, he's not worrying about me. Little did they know that I was, I mean, like I was, and I'd tell them every day, I'd say, guys, like, look, you guys are getting a salary. I'm not getting a salary until we get this thing back on the, on, on, on back on its feet. And literally, I mean, man, it was, it was every day we'd have standups. I'd come in, we'd have a standup. We'd say, all right, guys, let's go. These are the plans for today. I'm super pumped. Let's get this going. We've got these new integrations that we're, we're going to do since we've lost this big integration that generated a big part of our revenue. Let's go off and do these integrations. We also had team came around and we found workarounds on how we could continue to make revenue off of the, the, the integration that we had lost through some sort of off system types of, 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 of processes. And the team came together, it was four of us came together. They stuck with me to the end until I, they stuck with me to the end until I sold the company. Um, and, um, and they all benefited. Like I took good care of them when I sold the company and, and, but, but it was, yeah, it, that was it, man. It was every day just coming in. And, and there was days where I was like, and things just didn't go, weren't going in the direction that I thought they were going to go. And, um, and I still had to come in the next day with that, with that hap with, with that positive look on my face and motivating people. Right. Um, and, and, and in many cases, tell them, dude, I think we got this deal. We got this deal, even though the deal was raw and it was still not there, right? I had to like, you know, I had to tell them that because I felt like if I said, I'm not sure. And I, any level of uncertainty that I showed, I felt like I would lose that team, the four people that I had left with me. And so, um, 
yeah, I mean, thankfully it worked, it worked really good, but they also, and again, that's where like that work ethic in me came out. I was, you know, every day I was in the office early, left late, hustled, worked hard. Um, and everyone on that team did it as well to keep that company alive. And we survived and we started to grow the team back up after four or five months. And then literally eight months after that whole crisis, we, we turned around and we, and, 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 and we sold the company. Right. And so, and, and it wasn't like we sold it out of desperation. It was like, they approached us and said, look, we want to buy your company because it's, it's super valuable. Right. And, and we need it to, to grow this other part, this part of our business. Yeah, that's awesome. I can, those conversations are never easy. I mean, we did, we had one of those with our, I had to pull our staff in together, our instructors and, you know, and uh, when we were, when COVID hit and said, guys, this is, this is unprecedented times. We hope you'll stick with us. Everybody's, we're going to have to cut everybody back. We didn't let anybody go. We just kind of formulated a plan and, you know, it's hard to sit there and tell people this is what's happening. 2008, I had to do that as well with my team when, you know, when everything crashed and again, we didn't let anybody go. We all took pay cuts and, you know, and fortunately, you know, it worked out. <laughs> just keep hustling, keep hustling, keep moving forward a step at a time. So thanks for sharing that. Uh, I want to be respectful of, of Ivan's time. We're kind of drawing up on an hour. Has anybody got other questions? I've got a couple other things, but Mark, Bill? Yeah, I got one comment. I mean, uh, out there in limitless land, people don't know Ivan's a pretty good basketball player. He's a coach of basketball. When he, when we coach football together, Ivan's like, hey, man, I don't know anything about football, but I'll hear it. But, but you know what? That, that story you just told, Ivan, is exactly why I want you there with me all the time is because – that's a story that you, you know, those are stories are lost. These kids aren't learning that anymore. And, you know, it's easy to get a win. Who gives a crap about winning in sports, right? But it's the lesson that they're going to get out of that, that sports season that I'm more concerned with, you know, like that, that message about leadership that you just demonstrated. Those kids need to know that they need to learn that they need to see it in practice. And uh, for those of you guys that see my Facebook post, Ivan shared a quote with me that his father sent to him. And, uh, you know, I'll save you the, the the whole thing. But the bottom line is we need to raise warriors. And that is so profound to me because in my lifetime, nothing's come easy. And I'm, I'm, I'm assuming nobody in on this podcast, it's come easy. But we need to raise warriors. And that's Ivan's living living testament to what we're trying to do. So thank you, Ivan. Oh, thanks. Yeah, it's it's um, it's 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 hard, right? Because we don't want our kids to su go through what we went through, so therefore we feel we have to shelter them. And little do we know that that's actually <laughs> that's actually not going to have a good impact on their life. <laughs> Bill, anything you want to add, or Mark? No, I'm good. It's, it's been great. Go ahead, Mark. Kind of following the uh, pattern that you uh, established, uh, Brett, um, so that we get some symmetry with uh, with the various people that we interview. I'd like to repeat the same question I asked in the last interview: is I kind of I kind of feel like um, one of my favorite quotes is uh, for success and for overcoming challenges is to just start where you are, use what you have, and do what you can. So with those three uh, modicums, what do you feel about that? 
and when in your life have you felt that that was true? So say again, start where you are, feel, say that again. Start where you are, start yeah. where you are, use what you have, do what you can. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, um, hmm. Yeah, those are deep. That's deep. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, in, I, I, I think that would probably apply to every stage of my life, right? I mean, like, it probably, I mean, just two years ago after, you know, I went through this, this difficult time with my other startup, right? Like, it's like, okay, I've, I've got to start this thing. I've got, I've got to pick myself up and start all over again, right? And do something, right? And, um, and, 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 or as, as we were going through the process of, of the company going downhill, right? I just had to, I, I, all I could do was what I could do, right? There's no, I didn't have any superpower to kind of, you know, and, but the one thing that I, that, that, that I, that I didn't do is I didn't give up on the people that worked for me. Right. I, I was there to the last minute, you know, talking to them about, I mean, it was difficult. We had 250 employees, right? I mean, it was difficult to like, to, to wind this thing down. And so, so we, you know, I, I'd get in front of them and say, guys, this is where we're at right now. This is exactly where we're at. This is what we think we can accomplish. This is all I can do and I can control. Right. Um, and so, so I think, I, I think pretty, pretty frequently, I would say that those, that, that you could, I think sometimes we, we get too caught up in with, with like, you know, when is the right time to start or when is the, you know, what, what, what things do I need to have prepared to like start a business or to like, or to start making a change in my life and to, and, and to, to, to your, to your quotes uh, point, it's like, there is no perfect time. Just now start now where you are now, just start, move forward and do what you can with the tools that you have. Right. And so, um, and, and, but I think that just goes back to some of the stuff that Sal said earlier. I think the biggest problem we as human beings have is just not believing in ourselves. I think that's that, that may be that little, that, 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 that turning point for everyone's life, right. Is when we start believing in ourselves. Right. And, um, so yeah, that, yeah, that's, that's what I would say um, about that is, you know, just, just start, just start, just, just I mean, just, just start and move forward, start moving forward and, and don't think about what needs to align in order for you to start something, whether it's a business or a change in your life, right? Just get it going, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, uh, I, I ask that question because so many times in, in let's just use any example, a, a person decides they want to get into shape and they go, yeah, so as soon as I get that gym membership, yeah, I'm going to start this, this thing, or, you know, as soon as I, you know, well, you don't start right, right now, if you're standing in the airport, do some push-ups, do some squats. You don't need a single thing. You don't need anything to, to become successful. And I, you know, that's, a, I'm using the workout example, but I think that's the same in any of your businesses. You didn't decide in your, in your hustle uh, and in your plan to go, okay, man, in three months when I've got enough contacts and enough phone calls and enough product out there, I'm going to start, I'm going to start this company. No, you just, you just started and then you did it. Yeah. Yeah. 
I agree. I agree. You can't. It, there's there's no perfect there's no perfect time. You just got to get going. You know, just like there's no perfect time to get married. There's no perfect time to have kids. <laughs> you just you just got to do it. <laughs> yep. Time will pass you by. Time will pass you by. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. So uh, I'm going to ask you for a little soundbite wisdom as you sign us off here to, over the next couple of minutes, Ivan. Um, if you had to give uh, just one piece of advice, a, a piece of motivation to someone that needed a boost of confidence, needed the inspiration, what would your piece of advice be? And maybe you've already said it, but say it again. <laughs> bit of confidence, bit of inspiration. I, um, you know, I think the... Uh, the, um, the, the, the thing that I kind of live that, that I live my life by is, is, um, is there, there's three, there's three things that you must have to, to, uh, that, that will help you through anything in life. And, and, and in my, and the way I live my life is, is, is around love, passion, and humility. I say, you got to love what you're doing, right? So that you can have enough pack so you can do it with passion because if you don't love what you're doing there's no way you're going to do anything with passion in life there's just no way right mm -hmm. and by doing that you're going to have if you have that success that we all want in our lives just make sure that you stay humble throughout the process because if you don't you will collapse right um so love passion humility is the thing that i try to tell everyone right um when I had my basketball team, I run it on that. I, I, I taught my kids about love, passion, and humility. If you don't love the sport, you can't, you, you don't be here. Don't let your parents force you to play a sport that you don't want to play. Love it so you can do it with passion and stay humble throughout. Nice. What's your favorite motivational quote? You've been working on this for quite a while, it sounds like. What's your favorite motivational quote? My favorite motivational quote. Um, Man, it's not even a motive. It's it's more of a it's more of a uh, more of a uh, of a brand marketing campaign than a motivational quote. And it's Nike's "Just Do It." <laughs> it really is. I I know it sounds like so crappy, but it's like I tell my kids all the time, like, "Dad, I want." To, I said, "Just do it. Just do it." Like you know, to your point earlier, Mark, about you know the the people worried about where do I start. I'm like, "Just do it." That is my favorite quote. I even say it in business. I'm like, just do it. Drive it. Go. Do it. Nice. Fair it's enough. simple. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't take much. Well, uh, Ivan, as we sign off here, tell people how they can be drawn into your world, how they could find what you're doing, um, connect with you um, to see see the projects that you're doing, that kind of thing. Yeah, so I um, – um, I have a, a, a website called Zeramar Ventures, which is the, uh, and it's basically my last name, Ramirez backwards, Zeramar Ventures with a Z. And um, uh, you can learn a little bit more about the projects that I'm working on, some of the companies that I've invested in and, and, and the companies that I'm involved with. And then my Instagram, uh, I've just recently started to take out a lot of these motivational quotes and and things that i've gathered throughout my life i mean i think i've got maybe a thousand plus definitely not not as rich of a database as mark has and so maybe he can help me keep it going after i run out of my thousand quotes um but i've i've every day i've i've made a commitment to 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 to, to all of you uh to to continue to post these things um because 
you know, one of these things, even as simple as it may be for, 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 for some, it's going to be super, super important for others. Right. So I have an Instagram page. It's uh, called uh, at I am Ivan and that's I like an I am Ivan. Uh, so um, I am Ivan is my uh, and I'll post it here on the uh, on the chat so that maybe you guys as you do your editing and stuff, you can put that in. But I at I am Ivan on Instagram. Follow me. Um, and, uh, hopefully my, um, my, the, these quotes that, that I've gathered throughout the years from different people will help you guys in, in, uh, as, as you go on throughout your day, especially, I mean, listen, we're living some difficult times today, right. And, and, and everyone deals with things a little differently. Mm-hmm. And, um, so yeah, that would be, that, that would be the only thing. Excellent. Well, Evan, I, I want to say thank you very much for being on the podcast, sharing some of your wisdom, your business expertise. Uh, the journey that you've taken to overcome the adversities and still go on and lead that leads you to something positive, coaching kids with Sal. I know how hard it is to work with Sal. So <laughs> know, you know what's going on there. Whatever, <laughs> Just, I love it. I love it. We're it, it's it, yeah. I mean, the Italian and the Colombian together, <laughs> like we're both pretty hot. <laughs> you are truly someone we consider to be uh, limitless, Ivan. So thank you for being on the show. Awesome. Sal, thanks for the opportunity. Brett, great to meet you. Mark, the same. And and Bill, great to meet you guys. Uh, I'm definitely going to be having some conversations with you, uh, Sal, around getting to know the stories of these of these other gentlemen on this call, because, I mean, there's a reason why they're on here. And I'm, I'm intrigued. No, I'm intrigued. It, but thank, thank you, guys. You, it, it, you truly are a leader in this community on so many levels. Business, um, what you've achieved for you know, even from the, the side of coming to this country. So, bro, I, I got much love for you, man. I hope you know that. And I'm honored that you decided to come on with us. Thank you, Sal. Love you guys. Take care. Have a good one. Take care. Thanks, Thank Evan. You. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. Hello, everyone. This is Brad Newfeld, host of Resilience. You can catch my show every morning at 8 a.m., Monday through Friday, right here on the Resilience Talk Network. Tune in to discover what it takes to overcome any challenge that you may face in life. You'll be glad you did.